Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is September 5th, 2017. Well, folks, today we are going to do a show with another ex-stepper who spent some 30 years in AA. His name is Steve Clark. Uh, he had been diagnosed as a teenager, you know, by his family, Um Let's see. And he spent uh, many of his productive years. Uh, you know, I'm going to spring him on, but he uh, feels like a lot like I do that we wasted many years of our lives and that our lives have been very, very different. Uh, he left AA, uh, I think, is um, 2012. It looks like it was about a year after me, but maybe in 2009 when he became an atheist. Um, things began to really deteriorate with him and his relationship. And after, these are his words, after leaving AA, his career and personal relationships are really stable and very rewarding now. So um, without any further wait, we're going to bring on Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi. Hi. Hi, Monica. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Uh, Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad uh, we're going to do this. Yeah, definitely. So I think that um, it started by you just calling in and we're going to have that mock cocktail of a meeting that turned into <laughs> just two of you guys calling in, which was great. Sure. And um, when you re- we realize when you, you know, was it you who wrote the post or was it somebody else, right, that I was like so sad when you, was you who shared uh, on the... Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah I, I, yeah, I called it, yeah, I called it a few weeks ago when we were doing that, you were doing that show and and I uh, just kind of, you know, gave you a, a quick rundown of, of my story, and and, uh, and and I've listened to your story, and you know, we all shared stuff on on the on the post and everything, and uh, you know, I've I've known that you know my story is, you know, pretty similar to yours, and I've always mm-hmm. thought that it'd be always, always be great to talk to you about, you know, my experience, programming and deprogramming, and I always you know I always knew that we could probably have probably more than an hour conversation doing something like that, but anything that you and I would talk about would definitely be, you know, relevant to the audience of this, of this podcast. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a good it idea. Yeah. Right. Right. So how about you want, you want to start, um, so you were a teenager and let's, in your family, uh, since you were like, so let's tell me about your, what happened as, as a teenager. With sure. Your yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, the introduction was off maybe by maybe by a few years. My last meeting was in my last meeting that I went to was in early 2016. Um, the year before that, or a couple of years before that, I'd really been bored and really fading out of meetings. Um, and uh, and you know, around 2012, I had, I had I'd done some really really good work, personal work on myself outside of AA. Did some mm-hmm. really good therapy that really got me to a to a point of basically resetting a whole lot of who I, of who I am. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's been almost two years since my last meeting, but, you know, the deprogramming has really been going on for a long, a long, long time. But, you know, back up 30 years, um, I was, um, I was 20 years old and 
I'd gotten into, I didn't really, actually, I never got in any real trouble drinking at all. Um, mm-hmm. My, uh, so um, I, but I, I enjoyed it and I, I did quite a bit of it and I, but I, I really just always struggled with, uh, you know, with, with, with friends and groups and treating people nicely and things like that. So it was kind of a, kind of a loner kid who, who, um, who just, you know, hit, hit a bad place in his life. And, and I just turned 20. Um, and it was the summer of 87. And, mm-hmm. uh, I have a sister who's an older sister who was already through rehab and was like on the, you know, two year pink cloud at that point. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, you know, so it was one of those things where it's like, well, if it worked for her, you know, yeah. you must have this too, you know, and then, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and that's how I got, you know, sucked into it. Um, because I had, I didn't really know what was going on. I think I probably was having some kind of detox symptoms, um, but just also just being a basket case really for, and all of it just kind of coming to a head that summer right. for me, just a, a lot of things happened in it, you know? So yeah, I mean, alcohol was a factor, but it, it, it was just it ended up being this type of thing where, um, I mean, there's so much cult mentality that that just brings it, you know, um, that that just sucks you into it. So, um, right, you know, and and you know, so like uh, the the thing with, with you know with my sister, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know, she probably had some kind of problem with it as well too. I I really didn't pay much attention to it, but you know, I, I sat in the meetings, and I and I and I and I just I just took to it. I just fell for it. I just loved it because it was. You know, you hear a lot of these things, even, you know, people, steppers, when they're in meetings, they say, you know, this, this is uh, the first place I ever really felt at home and all that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. things like that. And then I really feel connected and all that. And, and you know, come to turn out, that's, that's a, that's a cult tactic, whether, whether right, they, they right. mean it, they mean it to be that way or not. It's just definitely the type of, right. type of cult tactic. And, and, and uh, so I just took to it and, and, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to think back on, on that, you know. <laughs> well, we can hear my story. If you don't know, his mind's pretty embarrassing, too, so don't feel bad sure. yet. <laughs> okay. Right, I knew so we had that some, comment, right? Yeah, I think so. So your sister was how much older than you? Uh, six years. So she's 26, you're 20. Your parents, neither of them were in AA? Oh, then it gets more interesting. <laughs> mm. Um mm. Uh, like a few years later, like after, you know, like, you know, everything seems to be working great for me and I get my life together and all that crap and everything. Um, my father announced that he's joining AA too. So, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, so it was, so it was kind of like this whole type of, here's this, uh, you know, kind of this big old family cure all, you know, and I, yeah. and I mean, honestly, I, I, I think, I think it really does that, that actually really, really turned me off when that happened. Um, and uh, and I and I I remember, I was maybe might have just been the first like the first time I began to break away from it um, was when that happened because it it just seemed like it you know AA would probably probably be fine if it were you know limited to the people who really had a problem with it and instead yeah. of selling it as this cure all for everybody um, right. if people really had like if it really just focused on people with addictions and getting over the, their addictions and everything and as opposed to this kind of match, you know this is also like you know the mid 80s, mid to late 80s, where it was all this new age, you know, woo-woo stuff going <laughs> yeah. on and everything. Right, right, you know, right. So it, was, it was, so it was just loaded with people like that too, and and uh, so it, I think I think it really kind of cheapens the experience. But but you know, AA, as you know, as you you very well know, um, it yeah. doesn't do much of anything to really, you know, debunk that. You know, it does really. It's always interested in in recruiting everybody. So now it's becoming the place for allowing all sorts of people with all sorts of afflictions to show up because it is, you know, no one's really drawn the limit to say, no, this is just for people who have, you know, addiction problems, you know? And so if yeah. it were that, and if it were like one and done, you know, you do a year, you get yourself together and you get out and you graduate, it would mm-hmm. be, able, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now, but right, it's not like right. that at all. You know, right. they bring you in forever and it's a cure all for everything. So um, that's, you know, where I stand on the whole thing. Wow, you know, I I think uh, as I stayed in that first year, which I have talked about in this past year, I think in the groups. And if you're listening, uh, I started a couple of groups, deprogramming from AA or any 12-step group, 
uh, on Facebook, uh, and you can ask to join, but you better be willing to answer the questions, or we're actually not letting people in right now because of trolls. <laughs> There's a leaving AA group. There is one make safer. Make AA safer if you're still in AA and you want to make it safer. I created that more recently. Uh, and with me too, Steve, I was – here's the part that I – uh, just recently discovered, I think, in the last six months of how it happened so fast. So either people are being ostracized by their own family or husband or wife or significant others. So when they actually go into the rooms, there is that uh, hugging thing and there's that, you know, that sort of false sense of intimacy. But if people are very lonely, like I was in Hawaii at the time, you meet these people and Actually, you know, in 1975, in a small town of Kailua on the island of Oahu, it was already a small town, there were uh, nice people, and it was just this cross-section of society was sitting there, and they were not scary-looking people, even though one of the predatory people was a 25-year-old guy who looked like Kenny Loggins or whatever. But that, you know, <laughs> if you went to meetings in Honolulu, there were scary people. There were predatory men, uh, but it, it looked a little nicer. And they weren't—they were court ordering back there. I found out, but they, there was no drug court yet, so there wasn't the massive sentencing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was very, very lonely. I was drinking too much. Um, I would say that I had problematic. You know, I drank to self-medicate. Is the way I would tell you know my story now that uh, I was self-medicating from childhood trauma, from teenage trauma, uh, from sexual assault as a teenager, and um, and from a lot of family stuff going on. And then I, like, quit on my own. So what the fuck was I doing there? Right, right. Right? I quit on my own, but I was lonely, and I meet this guy, and he tells me all about And I was sort of a... Like a wannabe hippie, a little too young for it, but still reading all the books. Doing L- I did LSD like one summer, and you know, and it was the seeker. Like I was a total, you know, ready to brainwash me. I was so ready. I was raised Catholic. I yeah. believed in God. I prayed to, to quit. I quit the next day. You know, I mean, it was really a big setup. They came to my grade school and proselytized there. Um, and you know, my family hated it. Like my father hated it, my mother hated it, my stepfather hated it, which, you know, is probably a good thing. Um, my sister I brought into it six months later. Um, you see? But, yeah, and the seven-month yeah, seven period where I started to feel worse, like, so it's like I was on a pink cloud, and then I was started to, like, you know, I just felt like I was, like, nosediving, and yeah. uh, kind of like I was on an acid trip and crashing, and I had been on an acid trip, you know, at some point in my life and had crashed and was like, wow. And that's when they were like, well, it's because you're not doing it right. And if you do this and you don't do that, then you can't get this and you can't get that. And I was like, wow, you guys really – like I started to get mind – really mind fucked. Yeah. And yeah. – right? Uh, and that went on for a couple of years. Yeah. That went on until I was three years mm-hmm. sober. Yeah. So jump in, like yeah. any part of what you want to yeah. talk about. No, that's cool. That's cool. No, there's, there's something that's so much unpacked there, and yes, you did. And, and uh, I've, I've I've been you know really really interested in ever since the HBO Going Clear thing about uh, Scientology and and with Leah Remini yeah. thing. I've, I've really yeah. just been just I've always kind of had like a, a you know side fascination with cults, but you know lately it's just mm-hmm. been you know really kind of you know in, in full 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 gear and. It's been, and and what what's really interesting is that you know the, just realizing how how cults cults behave, you know just even outside of um, what we normally consider to be a cult, um, you know it's, it's not every not every cult ends with you know a standoff with the law. Um, there right. are a lot of um, a lot of weird cult behaviors that are that happen throughout all sorts of different types of you know types of groups and everything. But you know what, one you know with all the stuff that's been going on lately, I, I've I've been following uh, there's a Group of um, of ex skinhead neo Nazi type kids, uh, guys who you know who gotten out of that whole thing, and um, wow. and 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 have really t- and have talked like really openly and beautifully and candidly about it, and it, it it's really really moving. But the when they talk about how they got into that whole movement, so much of it is just so common with how cults behave because they they mm-hmm. really go out and they find people who are struggling with identity, 
and they find people who are lonely, who are misunderstood, who aren't quite sure who they are. And they come by and they say, hey, your problem is blank. Um, you know, it's, you know, whatever the group is, whatever fits that group, your problem is this thing. And, and here are some vague terms to help you agree with us on, on, <laughs> on your problem being this blank thing. So come join us and we'll fight this thing. Um, and you could just insert whatever you want. You could, you know, minorities or alcohol or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> whatever. Just insert right, whatever right. you want into the blanks there, and and, and right. it just sucks these people into it. And 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 all those tactics just just you know. And and it, what it gives what it gives us is it, you know, it gives anyone who's in, in who gets sucked into this type of thing is it gives them that that big big missing piece of their life, that sense of community, that sense of belonging, you know, right, that right. sense of of of, of, of um, yeah usefulness or whatever. And and uh, it's really, it's really just all kind of to serve, to serve a different master per se, you know. So, it's you know, um, they they found that too was true with ISIS, and they did a few docs that I saw mm-hmm. on KCT about white uh, British kids joining, right? And they yeah, were yeah. disenfranchised. Some of them had drug and alcohol problems. Um, no fathers, or lack of a father in the life. I mean, not all of them have this, you know, kind of setup, but. There was the yeah. same kind of. Um, there were actually a lot of kids who, uh, if they had drug and alcohol problems, could fall, you know, and they're a little pissed off at the government already. You know, they're poor, and they're white. Yep. You know, I mean, these crazy British kids. This one is like my brother is a terrorist. Is the name of that documentary. It's cool. pretty incredible. But um, that I also the other part of the piece of where they suck you in is the we and the us. And, like, yes. I really hear it now. Like, so, I mean, I finally, I knew there was something about the we and the us, that there's so much of that in AA, um, in the books and in the writing and in the readings. Um, but when I start to hear it in something that's not AA in our culture now, it's, like, really a big red flag for me. So before, yeah. it was yeah. like, wait a minute. Like, even Occupy, we, Kevin and I were, or it was maybe my son and I were talking about it, where, and Occupy is like, oh, we have no leaders. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Oh, we have no, like, you know, we're all going to, like, snap our fingers. And But the yeah. big one, the big red flag, because, like, I was on my way out of AA when Occupy happened and went down right. a couple of times to see what it was. And I was like, okay, well, what are your, like, demands? Like, what do you want to change? Oh, we don't have any, like, there's, like, nothing. We don't, you know, our list. And I was like, what the? And my youngest was, like, really, like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, what do you mean you don't have, you know, you want something or not? Like, oh, we just want to, like, oh, hang out here and smoke pot. And not to say that, I mean, really, you have to have some kind of and demands and, and, like, sane ones. Not like mm-hmm. even though right. the Black Lives Matter is not to get off on a political thing, but we could because sure. they recently they had something where they were like, oh, uh, you know, they had some crazy demand like as a white man you should give up your job. It was like, get, you know what, really? And, and plus I think it's really divisive, you know, to have if I had a thing called, you know, curly girl matters, only women with curly hair matter, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's just like. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I won't go off on it. That's a total tangent, so I'm going to bring, bring me back here with you. So you just yeah. did a talk, though, right, about – or no, you're going to do one about, about cults? I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm doing one um, for an atheist group, actually. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a closed event, but I, it, they do film everything and they stream everything. So I'll do my best to get that link out to you and everyone who can check it out and everything. Um, but I'm doing, I'm doing a talk about, yeah, basically about cults. Um, about cult programming, cult deprogramming, and I, I want to bring in some of my story of that as well too. So it's going to be kind of, you know, kind of, you know, candid and embarrassing, but at the same time, I really want to be able to like talk through some of these things about, you know, what I've what I've learned about cults and 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 how the cults behave, and 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 again, that's not just limited to, um, you know, the David Koresh's of the world. There's all sorts of weird cult behavior going on, and. And, you know, I'm also like, you know, in addition to, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not really so much anti-AA anymore as much as I'm just kind of anti-self-help, self, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. all all that stuff just really follows so much of that same, same model. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and what, I, what I've really come to realize actually very, very recently is, is just the idea that, you know, these, the self-help and these modalities and everything, they really what they end up doing is they end up kind of like the whole thing where when they, when, you know, someone gets recruited into a cult, 
to say, hey, we know the thing that's wrong with you, and it's this, you know. And then mm-hmm. so someone mm-hmm. creates this modality, and they say, oh, this modality addresses blank, which, surprise, is exactly what your problem is, you know. And, and what we end up doing, you know, just, you know, pick your poison, really, but we, we end up just creating this identity. You know, the people who get sucked into those things, I say we, I mean, we as the people who get sucked into these things are the, yeah. end up creating, creating that as our identity. So, you know, so if you, like, if you did, if you wanted to, like, start a, a support group for, you know, for, you know, girls with curly hair, like you were saying, then, you know, that could, that then you say, yes, your problem in life is because you're a girl with curly hair and we're discriminated <laughs> against and so forth. And, and, you know, it sounds, it sounds idiotic, but just replace that with, with alcohol and it's the same thing, you know, and, you know, the curly hair is really setting you back. So you really need to <laughs> come, you know, and, 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 and address that. And then, but then your identity becomes girl with curly hair and not, you know, documentary filmmaker activist like you are, you know, and, 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 and that's the problem. We get stuck in these identities of, you know, I got stuck in the identity of, and I, I really, really tried to avoid it because I saw a lot of people who did it and it really, I didn't want to be like that. Yeah. The whole idea of, you know, the, the identity of alcoholic, you know, and I remember, you know, 10, 15 mm. years ago, one of these newer guys, you know, called me Mr. AA and I wanted to punch him, you know, cause mm. it was really, it was really kind of insulting because I didn't really want to yeah. be that guy. I don't, right. there, there's recovery guy. I mean, there's Russell Brand, there's guys like that who are recovery guy, you know, and that's like, right, right. that's like their whole identity. I never wanted to be that. And, you know, but 20 years into it or whatever, I realized, oh my God, I'm, I'm like, you know, there's no other, there's nothing else about me that other than. What did you this, turn into? This, like, what were you doing at that point that that guy, you was like, you were 15 years into it, right? At that point you were 35 years old that. and you were like an old timer. What, what was your, mm-hmm. like, what were you doing and how involved were you that he called you that? So, yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, I was, let's say I was, I was one of, around the time I was getting divorced. I remember. So I got divorced around that time. Um, so I was really getting reconnected again with AA, um, you know, cause I needed social interaction. I needed, you know, I needed to have a whole new group of friends and everything. So I got pretty involved in AA and started becoming more and more free to go to more and more meetings and stuff. So I was, I was kind of, kind of on on an upward wave at that point of of getting deeply involved. And this this is the kind of guy who was, um, you know, in and out of AA for a while. Um, he was a bit of he was he was like a Wall Street broker type, you know, hedge fund type of guy who mm-hmm. had um, you know, doing a lot of you know just live fast die young type of guy, you know. And, uh, right. And uh, so I mean, we were all friends and everything. I was just you know trying to help him, and he just called me, yeah. Just that, like on this little side comment, Mr. AA, right? And uh, you know, so you know, and, and it's like, oh no, I become. It was more like a kind of a, kind of took the wind out of my sails. I just like, oh no, I become that guy. Shit. Right. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was more like sort that. Of like a mi- yeah. pretty two shoes or whatever kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and and you you know you you definitely know the type. I mean, there's there's the you know like where you're at the Pacific Group types who are just you know you know, doing their, doing the thing and kind of out proselytizing the whole thing. And, and I kind of, but I, I don't you think that they're like on steroids, right? I mean, I think like, so yeah. for me, I definitely was a point there was Miss AA um, where I think, I don't even know if it's, it's in the finished part of the film, but in the Vimeo version of the film, uh, the 13th step, if you're listening out there and you don't mm-hmm. know anything about me, you hear it for the first time, <laughs> but the one on Vimeo, I left in my story, but I definitely was like, there was a point where, I would say I had four years. I was 22 years old. It was easy for me. I quit on my own. So, I mean, I didn't want to drink again. I loved being sober. I loved being abstinent. Mm-hmm. Didn't phase me in the least. I mean, maybe the first couple of years or a couple of times, but other than that, no. So I was like, you know, they were flying me around the islands to be the token. That, so that was previous. So I must have been like 19 when that was going on. So I was still a teenager. So they were like, I was speaking at high schools. And the, the high school speaking, I mean, I, I, I was like the DCM of like Honolulu when I was 21 and three years sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did, I I did some of the talking in the middle schools too. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Oh, my God. You went into the middle yeah. schools? I went to I went to the middle school where I went to middle school when I was. You know, oh no! Years later. Oh, what part of the, what part of California were you in then? Well, that that was back home in Connecticut where I grew up. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> funny. Wow, yeah, they they I really. <laughs> I, heard, I mean, people are contacting me right now about Connecticut. Oh, it's really bad back there. Oh. And Massachusetts, yes. like yes. the whole stepper shit thing. Oh my god. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, big time, right? Yeah. What's that? Well, I mean, it, it, there's so much, there's so much AA history around there too. So, right, isn't that that first yeah. rehab that Bill got involved with? That's in Connecticut. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think you and I were chatting about that too. I think it's, it's up in Kent, up in Kent, Connecticut. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crosswinds or something like that. Yeah, I forgot the name of it, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we, yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> So you at this point now, this guy calls you, uh, you know, uh, Mr. AA, and you take a look mm-hmm. at yourself. Now, somebody I called me that, too, and I remember it also hurting my feelings or, like, me getting, you know, going, wow, like, what is that? Like, what have, what have I become? And then I mm-hmm. tried to, like, do a little bit less stuff. So pick up from where you were. You have 15 mm-hmm. years into the program. Yeah. You're going through a divorce, and you start going to meetings because that's where you socialize since you're 20. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, that's where I knew to to find friends, and and I did. I, I developed a pretty good network of friends and everything, and and um and I uh I I I started playing music again. I know you you play as well too. I started playing around yeah. a lot and everything, and I was mm-hmm. doing quite a bit of that, and and that that was kind of keeping me busy. But it's a um. And, and and a lot of times, in a lot of ways, that became my identity too. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the coffee shop singer songwriter guy. You know, and and mm-hmm. uh, and honestly, I mean, as as, as much as it's a, it's a really cool like skill to have and everything, it's just it's not really who I am anymore. You know, I'm just really not that terribly interested in it. But you know, I might just pick up the guitar one day and just find magic, and it'll be awesome. But who knows? Um, right, but right. Still, it's still it's still not really my. I don't I don't consider it to be you know, my my identity. Um, but yeah, this is like yeah, about fifteen fifteen years ago or so. Yeah, ten you know up go, up until that point, um, I was really just kind of rebuilding my life, uh, getting getting things going back together, and just really kind of struggling with my career and everything, and and you know going from contract job to contract job and everything. I worked. Yeah, in what tech. did you do? What kind of work did you do yeah. during those years? So I, I, yeah, so I uh, yeah I work in tech. I do analyst type of work in, in, in tech. That's more what I was doing. Now I'm more mm-hmm. on the creative side of things, but. Um, but it was it was it was difficult. Even though, honestly, I mean, looking this is kind of part of my story is like looking back at you know what things were like back then. You right. know, I probably should have been making a whole lot more money and been a lot more stable than I was. Um, yeah. But I was I was so much my own enemy and some you know, and and everything. Let's make sure we get to to some of that before we wrap up this. But I was just so sabotaging myself. Um, throughout mm. my throughout oh my yeah oh my so, god yeah. yeah yeah so what did you do and I can tell you what I what I do with mm-hmm. my acting how I sabotage myself with this AA shit go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah well we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit but yeah I was I was um, I was working through you know just kind of pretty much just staying afloat and uh, and and just barely getting by but I realized you know when I when I had my 20th AA anniversary 40 years old um, I. I I, I had a couple of realizations and, and honestly, I mean, this is around the time where I saw, I watched things like, I, I get very influenced by good media, but I watched like religious and I watched um, Jesus yeah. camp, which really, really pissed me off. Oh my you God. Know, so I yes. of, yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't sit through the whole thing. It, bo- it bothered me so much. I had to like really? come back and watch the rest of it. Yeah. It was, it was, it was horrific, but I, um, so yeah, I realized I was I was 40 years old. I was sober 20 years, and I had been praying every day for 20 years mm-hmm. for God's will for us and the power to carry it out. Right. And and I got to thinking, you know, 20 years at this, and this is what God has lined up for me is to be basically, you know, a paycheck away from homelessness. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Barely employable, not dateable at all, you know, any of that kind, of, all that kind of stuff. I realized, oh my God, mm-hmm. I, I've become a loser, and <laughs> and is this really, is, is this really, you know, God's will for me? Yeah. And, Sorry, and, but that is yeah. no, I know, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it, I relate to some. So I'll tell you after you're finished. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but actually, a an, whole an other conversation you and I could probably have one day is you know around like like people who are basically like perennial losers and a lot of them are in AA because yeah. it kind of, it just allows for that because your only metric for success in AA is whether you drank. So, mm-hmm. so here I am, you know, I'm like, um, you know, I'm, I'm like 20, you know, 20 years sober, been, been asking for this for 20 years. I'm like, I don't really want to 
give my life over God who's given me this, right? I kind of want to yeah. be, I kind of want to make something in my life here. Why, you know? So, and I didn't, really, I didn't even share this until after I moved to California eventually, but I got called to the podium in California and the topic was, what is, uh, how is God working in your life today? And this is, you know, five or six years after, after I was 40. So, um, and I'm up there and I'm, and I said, well, I prayed to God every day for 20 years um, for his will for us and the power I carried out. And I realized I was alone and I was broke and I was basically a loser. So I decided then that there ain't, I can either like, you know, fight this whole God thing or I can just say there is no God. And that's really when I began to explore the whole idea of living a secular life. And, wow. and that's, yeah. So, but when you what think happened about it, at like, that meeting though, when you said that, Oh my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an atheist, was, but I find that very intriguing. No. What happened? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was the last time I got called to the podium at any, any regularity. <laughs> it really was. Because it, it was wow. just like, what the hell did this guy just say? Because I, I, yeah, I totally went off script. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> the people who say um, that we can be honest here, you, you got to stay on their script or you're not asked, you know, to talk. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Right. So, mm. yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really what, I, what it came to. And I'm like, you know. Um, and, and, and then, you know, actually I, I wasn't totally alone, but I did go through a pretty bad breakup about a year or so after that. And I did get to speak at a meeting and tell my story. And I, I went on kind of this, you know, God does not exist type of rant. And that was the last time I got invited to speak <laughs> in that town. <laughs> uh, what so, town was uh, that? <laughs> that was in Denver. I lived in, I lived in Denver oh yeah, Denver is a real big stepper. Yeah, well, it was a long time. Yeah, ago. yeah, it's got it, it's got its own thing. So, but how were um, you dealing yeah. with it internally, though? You know, uh, Steve, how how were you dealing with it? Like, so that happens. The first one happened, and then you go through this other breakup. Uh, were you, you know, were you going through inside, and were you starting to wonder about AA? Like, that had that opened up, and did you find orange papers, or like, what was the what was your breaking no. point? No. No, I, I never, I never, I actually, that, that's the, that's a really interesting thing is throughout all of this, I never questioned AA or its validity at all. It was pretty much all I knew. So I, I, through all of this, I really thought I'm going to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, this is my identity. This is who I am. I'm going to stick it out in, in AA. And, you know, sure, I don't believe in God, but they say God is going to stand him. And that's easy enough to put an asterisk on that and park him on it, you know. Uh, so that's really, I never really questioned any of that stuff at all. Um, not, none I of it. Did, like, did you? Was there any part of it that no. you? None of it. Like about were you no. allowed to be angry? Did you buy into that ang- that you kept be angry? No, I, I never. I never. That's it. I I I I I went by the rules. You know. Oh <laughs> I wow. Followed the rules. I know. Okay. That's, that's what the difficult part yeah. was. So I really kind of had a boiling part around five years ago, forty-five, and I really. Right. I, I went and dealt with. I, I I did some really intense therapy that had a lot to do with. Um, unlocking, unlocking a lot of PTSD and, um, and, and I don't, I don't really, I mean, I, I think we, a lot of us really struggle, suffer from some kind of stress disorder. Um, and I, and I hesitate to call what I have PTSD because it's nothing compared to like what the soldiers go through and people have done that. And so I really don't want to, I, I really don't want to kind of cheapen their experience at all, but it's definitely, um, you know, we definitely, a lot of us have a lot, a lot of problems unlocking, uh, stress in our life, but I went through this whole thing where I basically wiped my whole, you know, psyche and became, and got to reprocess a lot of things, and that that's really one thing that really allowed me to process to to, to right, reevaluate okay. a, a lot of everything in my life, and uh, right. it, was, it was it was so, but it wasn't really until so, um, yeah, so I moved to California in 2012, and and then about a year and a half later, um, a friend of mine from AA in a different part of the country sent me an article from the New York Times about um, the atheist movement going on within AA, um, and and I ended up um, they ended up having a a, a a conference down in Santa Monica. Um, oh yeah, yeah, had, I heard about that up, while I was making yeah. yeah yeah. So so I I I went to that and, and that's when I realized all the stuff that was really happening within AA. And even then I was thinking, you know, cause a lot of people talk there about, should we just form our own group, you know, our own movement, whatever, and, and everything. And, and, um, and I was still like, no, man, AA is, AA is the shit, man. We can't mess with AA. We've got to change it from the inside. You know, <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but really, really interesting was um, um, that that same weekend that I was driving down there um, was the This American Life episode with Tina Dupuis. And oh she yeah. She was the one who, you know, you yeah. know who I'm talking about, right? And, oh yeah. And yeah. she's like, she's a journalist who had this whole thing about coming out of um, AA, and, it, and she yeah, had a similar story to you and me, where she was a teenager mm-hmm. gets kind of sucked into it and everything. And, and um and her whole story about that and it was just like, you know, as I was, you know, that was probably that was probably the first time I really questioned the validity of all of this stuff. And I got to thinking, mm. oh my, oh my, this, you know, oh, by um, hearing her, yeah. Did, were you a yeah. fan of the show? Is that how you heard it that day? Because that's how I mean, I was a huge fan. I never missed it back then. Um, and um, yeah, this I watched. I listened every Saturday. And um, okay. but so how did you? Yeah, I mean, how did you no, catch that episode? No. Oh, it, it was a God shot, Monica. God just put it on my radio that afternoon. So I was driving, literally, because I was driving back through the central, <laughs> so <CAC is laughs> driving back through the central valley, and and it and, and it came on, and I'm and I was listening to it, and 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 I and and I'd, I mean I listened to it from time to time, but I wasn't like like you know regular listener, and uh, and I listened to that story, and and it did it, it it made me question everything, so I, I related so much to it, and. Uh, and and then I began to you know see what she was all about, and she does she had done a lot of work around um, cults. Um, she was raised in a cult and everything, and, and you know, she has yeah. an amazing story. Um, and it was you know not a surprise that she was susceptible to to that as well too. I mean I grew up I grew up Catholic, and and you know every religion and every cult is really just kind of a matter of um, really how long they've been around and yeah and everything you know. But um, I think. A lot of those who, a lot of us who, people who are really subject to authoritarian rule, um, whether it's from a church or from parents or whatever, um, are really, really subject to being sucked into a cult and a cult-like action. So, um, yeah, so that that thing just ironically happened to, you know, I, I, I stumbled upon it at the same time I was having all this doubt. And that's really where the, where the big doubt about AA, you know, started to kick in. But so really for the next year or so, I was really, I was really just, I had been not really interested in meetings anyway, but I got really, really bored. Um, yeah. I wasn't really getting much out of it. And, and then um, I just remember actually on, on the This American Life thing where she talked about how the journalist who was interviewing her for the, for the story um, was listening to her, her AA tapes and could never really hear anything where she talked about drinking, where she actually mm. drank in the story. And, and she wow. would say – you know, and, and, and began to like shoot holes in her stories. And then, you know, I, I started to like, I would sit in meetings and I would listen to people's stories and I would start shooting holes in them. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, people tell these stories of, you know, I got into all this trouble and trouble and trouble. And, and then it's like a dream. And the next thing you know, they're in a different part of their story. And, and you never explain like how much you got into any trouble or, or how you got out of that trouble. You never, you never explained any of that stuff. So did it really happen? And then, you know, the things about, you know, the first time I told the story, it was, you know, I got pulled over. Um, and then and the, by the 10th time I told the story, I spent the night in jail. And by the 100th time I told the story, I was in prison for three years. And, and these, 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 you know, these, you know, everybody's, you know what I mean? If you stick around AA long enough, everyone's, everyone's story. Oh, becomes no, a story. I mean, but I think that's a really good point yeah. because one of the reasons yeah. I wanted to yeah. do that mock a meeting like we could go was that <laughs> when I left and I, you know, I, I mean, I had a different opportunity because I was interviewing all these people who created non 12 step like small recovery and Mark Kern and right. um, Tom Horvath and, and, and um, Stanton Peel and, you know, a lot of different people, 99% of them used this different language. And as a result, I was being educated. You know, my head was filled with, like, problematic drinking you would use or substance mm-hmm. use issues and not use the word alcoholic. Um, right. You know, and then I realized that my own story that is so that the idea, and I hope that we can do it. I mean, I was talking to someone else about this, that if we could do it, you know, maybe we could ask uh, in the group, like, what's a good day and time? you know, where you guys are really all, maybe it's a Friday night, maybe it's a, you know, in the evening where people are on Facebook mm-hmm. more that we would say, okay, let's do it when right now everybody gets three minutes. So if you told your story, how would it be, yeah. you know, now that you've left and, and mine changed, you know, and I 
did and I and uh, you know Kevin and I and Kevin was in uh, a also my husband um, yeah. for twenty years had seventeen years when he left and I was like you know tell me a story like tell me when did you start drinking like I mean I started actually asking him questions and oh wow like okay so college well that's like normal most kids like you know you know drink you know especially now that it's twenty one you can't drink when you're eighteen. So we've made sure. it worse by like raising the drinking age. I mean, that's apparent that you I create agree. binge drinking when you make something a big deal about wine. And everywhere else in the world, you know, people are uh, they're drinking at 18 in the industrial, sure. you know, in the educated world. Um, right. Right? I mean, it's yeah. it's very different. And even my story, I was like, yeah, I don't think. Uh, in fact, I got to do it because I, I'd asked to speak at that late night meeting in Hollywood like a month ago. Uh, no, right. it was in Silver Lake, and so I went in. I still can't figure out how to upload my the video that Kevin <laughs> took because we have 19 minutes of video, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have help doing it, but it was a great experience to like to reset and say, this is what happened. This is all that happened. You know, so yeah. there, there might have yeah. been other things that you know that scared me like i remembered recently because of all of the heroin the talk of heroin and opiate you know oh now we have this one well you know it was once cocaine in the 80s i'm old enough you know and then once mm-hmm. it was crack you know and then what are the other things i don't even know what you call these some of these drugs but you know yeah. it's not like anyway it's just it's it's really i realized that i had two friends who died of heroin overdose that it affected me greatly, and but nobody did heroin in front of any. But like it was the it was the do not touch drug in my yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. Everybody was got access to pot. We could drop acid if you want here and there. We all drank plenty, but uh, um, I thought of their deaths and how they affected me, and me wanting to move away from. I certainly didn't want to try anything more than what I had tried. And I just think it's really, like, even the fact the way you talked about yourself and your sister and, well, you're probably, it's like the, the country is brainwashed. Like, you don't have to even be in AA to be brainwashed. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation for sure. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, my, my, my I mean, you're, 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 I think you're like a decade ahead of me, but, I mean, your, your, yeah. your youth was probably a lot like, the movie Days Confused, you know, and my my youth is a lot like, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you know, but that's, and, you know, but, you know, everyone ends up, everyone kind of comes out of that story alive and, you know, with a, with a new story, with a new experience, you know, so. Right, um, right. And that's really, and, and, and what, toward the end of my time in AA, I just, you know, all I could keep saying was, you know, I'm being honest about, I'm trying to be as honest as I can remember about my story, and yeah, I, I had a hard time when I came to AA, um, but, I'm not going to exaggerate that. And I started to say things like, um, mm. I don't want to stay sick just so I can stay in the club. You know, I started to say things like that. And, Ooh, uh-huh. you know, I, 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 and I started doing things like, you know, like, you know, 25 years into it. And I'm thinking I gotta, you know, I gotta, um, you know, I gotta go do, do the steps again. Cause that's what they keep telling me. You gotta, you never done doing the steps. You gotta keep on doing the steps. And I try to sit down and like, oh. you know, work work through the fourth step and it's like I I I I've, I've dealt with all this crap already, you know? And uh and and when does it end, you know? And Yeah. <laughs> Never for and, them. And, but right, you know, right. I got to say that like let me I kind of want to interject this because in the 70s there was like this sort of a split in AA then and I think what it might it might have been looking back was that some of the Pacific group members that came over to Honolulu who were, you know, Sure. You know, they were all these guys who were well-dressed with money, and they would, you know, pull up in these really expensive cars and stand and put one foot up on the chair. You know, those kind of guys. I don't know if they ever did that back oh, yeah. then, but they stood up yeah. and, like, you know, I don't even know what they were posturing, I guess you'd call it, and they would reach their hand in their pockets and shake their money and their keys and, and talk like they were, like, from another planet. I remember we'd be, those of us in Hawaii would be like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, why are they, like, talking like this? Like, why don't they just, like, talk and, like, tell their story or something? Why are they? But... The split was, you only did these steps once. That's what it says in the book. You go through it once and you're done. Yeah. Like, you know, that it doesn't say that you do the fourth and fifth. It doesn't say that you write anything except the fourth and you made a list of people that you wanted to say you were sorry, you know, to or whatever. And uh, yeah. And I kind of really went after doing the steps over and over 
after four years, I said, no, this is horseshit, and I'm not doing it again, and it's, I don't find it helpful. And I began to search through other books at the time, which were ironically self-help books, but some of them did help me. And I think that I began to deprogram way back then with where it said, you know, you can't get angry. And I was like, nah, I don't, that's not true. Like, that's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, how do you fight a war and not be, if you're not angry about, you know, how does somebody steps on your toe, you know, for you to be okay? And I had actually an, an, a Hawaiian sponsor who was very sane in some areas. And she would say, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, forget that. Like, you know, that people who think that or, you know, they're not talking about that or whatever. So I wasn't yeah. surrounded by complete nuts. And, um, but anyway, so it, it's just really interesting that you did this whole process. So th- you're now up in, like, uh, the, the part of California that you were telling me where you live now? Is it, where, like, the tech yeah. area? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Silicon Valley now, yeah. yeah. Right, so you yeah. able, were able to say this. And were, did you go to, like, discussion meetings where then people sometimes get, you know, you had feedback or people either said shit about it or what happened with that? Well, and well, I mean, after, after I had said what I said, you know, that's night about, you know, not believing in God because I was a loser, um, that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't get called out too much, but I do remember my, my, my last time I announced my anniversary, uh, probably my 28th anniversary, I guess. And I got yeah. called up to, to talk. And that's when I said, you know, I'm trying to avoid staying sick just so I can stay in the club. And, uh, and that was really actually for, that was, that was, you know, like August of two years ago. And then I don't think I went to a meeting in, I did go to one meeting. There was an atheist meeting in Michigan that I went to. I was on a project in Michigan. I was able to go to that meeting, but that didn't really do much for me either. So I, I, uh, I think I went to that, and then the last one I finally went to, um, almost two years ago. Um, it, it wasn't doing really, honestly, anything for me. It was really just I couldn't wait to get out of there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, and but, uh, yeah, go ahead. I want I want to just back 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 up back up a little bit too. Just. Uh, so after after my after five years um, in AA, um, I was 25 and I'd never been to college. I decided I was gonna like I, I had a pretty good you know I was in sales at that point. I did okay for a while. I did actually really well right. in my career. And mm-hmm. um, and of course it's all because I was sober. That's why you know God was shining down. <laughs> so I had this you know right. So and, and, and so I had this opportunity and I, I that's when I moved and I went to college and I did I did college for five years and I worked full time for five years and. Um, that's when I got married and everything. And then during that, but I didn't go to a lot of meetings at that time for about five years, um, uh, because mm-hmm. I was busy with school and work and life. And oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, but, 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 yeah, but there's, there's, and, and I, and I just wish so much that could have been the end of it. I wish I could have just, yeah. Been, <laughs> yeah. um, because, uh, I, I, um, I, I, I still had enough brainwashing in me that, you know, you can't get away from AA. You're gonna, you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get drunk. You know, and you're gonna, and you're gonna die. And that, you know, so there was enough of that. And then, um, by the time I finished college, I was, I, I was burning the candle at both ends for five years. I was spent. I was exhausted. I was stressed out. I didn't know. And yeah. and I just decided to start going back to meetings then. And and I remember, you know, my first couple of months back, I was realizing, oh my God, I was, I was so nuts. I was so crazy all that time because, because, you know, um, and and that that wasn't the case, but that, that's when I did get reconnected with AA and, and, and I, like I said, I just wish, I wish that hadn't been the case. I wish I just grew up at that point. Um, and it was, it was really a lot of, I mean, just looking back at my history, just a lot of things that I'm really just embarrassed about that I said and did. I mean, nothing I'm going to share here, obviously, but, yeah. you know, but just things <laughs> I said and did, you know, um, when I was sober, I mean, I was, cause I, I, but I thought I had a pass. I mean, I thought I had a, I thought I had, you know, immunity because yeah, I might've mm-hmm. said this stupid thing or done this stupid thing, but, but Hey, I'm sober. And, and I'm, you know, there is definitely a little holier than now going on there, even though you don't say it. And, right. You don't and, think there is, and, but there is a lot of that. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and you know, I, I thought like that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish something. Well, I, I, you know, I, I do think that there is a comedy. Like, although, like, you know, my film is dark. It could have been darker. I think there should be some narratives that are really, really dark to tell the dark side of AA. But on that note, like, as you were talking, and then I'm, like, thinking of, like, things I did or said and meetings, I different meetings I've been to. 
man, there would be a serious mini-series or limited series that would totally be immersed in AA, but you make it a comedy. How ridiculous it is. Like how ridiculous no, I, people I, act. I, I, I got a lot going on in my life right now, but I would love to work on something like that. I can, mm-hmm. could give, you, I can give you pages and pages of scripts for things like that. Right. So, yeah. Do you remember yeah, actually, I, that you just remind, you reminded me of something. Do you remember in Goodwill Hunting, and he tells a story about how his, his father was, or his uncle was the, the state patrolman, and he came home one night, and the car, the state patrol par, car was parked in the garage with the lights going on, and that was like a big joke in that story and everything. Uh, or yeah. in, that, in that movie, I remember someone telling that exact same story, like for real, or at least allegedly for real, at an AA meeting, yeah. like ten years earlier. Um, wow! Like he was the guy yeah. who did that, you know. So it's like, yeah, a lot of these things get get lifted from meetings, you know. Um, there are there are some good stories, you know, whether they're real or not. They're still kind of fun stories, but but yeah, I mean, just some of the stuff that I did was, you know, and and, and just. You know, just try. I, I was, I was so, so. I know we only got a few more minutes. It just reminded me of another story, though. I was so, so desperate to fit into AA too, and um, like I always hated. I just told someone this story for the first time, like a few weeks ago. I always hated smoking, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and um, I never smoked that much. Even when I was like really drunk, I never smoked that much. Um, right. And I went through my little phases with it here and there. But when I came into AA, I wasn't smoking at all. But everybody was. Mm-hmm. And everybody was, you know, and, 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 and here I am thinking, all right, I'm a 20 year old kid who never got arrested. Um, I got to be badass somehow. Um, and I really, really, really like, I literally like, wanted to start smoking so I could be like all the other badasses in AA. And, yeah. you know, how fucked is that when you think about it? That's really not, you know, but I was willing to, I was so eager to do anything to just to belong to a group. And, yeah, I started uh, smoking. I began, I smoked as a teenager yeah. for a couple, for a few years and lightly, but I smoked. I quit at 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, and then um, two years in, I started smoking, and they were like, you yeah. can't smoke. And I was like, why not? Because you're Monica. Like, you're, like, really healthy. Like, you, you know, because I would bring, like, peppermint tea to the oh, meetings. Right. And I was, you know, <laughs> this one period I was, like, a vegetarian. Like, so they saw me as this, yeah. like, very squeaky clean. I was like, get out of here. You guys will stand around and smoke. I'm going to smoke. And so I smoked yeah. for two years. I became addicted to it and had to quit. You know, after two years, yeah. it really sucked. But I, I relate know. to that. I picked up and cleaned ashtrays in meetings yeah. when I didn't even smoke. And, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the things that was good about me leaving was that there were th- choices that I made with me wanting to come here to be an actress that I turned away from opportunity because I was afraid. Yeah. And I had like 10 yes. years. So by the time I'm 28, I'm 10 years sober. Uh, I'm in great shape. I'm, you know, an attractive, uh, you know, a semi-attractive woman, young woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I had these opportunities, like I was in the groundlings, like I was thinking about these different things. So I worked at 20th Century Fox as a floating secretary so that I could still mm-hmm. pursue acting and do, what, do the groundling thing. You know, all the rehearsals, when the groundlings were over, everybody went to the nearby bar. Like, did I go? Yes. No, yes. and you know what's interesting is that when I lived in Hawaii, yeah. I was fearless. I mean, I went to bars all the time. We went to discos. It was the disco era. I did not. Mm-hmm. I was, didn't shy away from places where there was alcohol. But when I came here to Los Angeles, there was this like I don't know what happened to me, and so I never went. And people thought I was a snob, or I don't know what they thought. Well, maybe they thought I was a Mormon, and it wasn't hip yet to be in AA because <laughs> it was too early in the '80s, right? You know. And mm-hmm. yeah. then I did a play at Fox, I, and I, I got a lead in, the, in um, Beyond Therapy, and they all went to the bar or to somewhere to have, like, drinks and food, and I never went. And, you know, yeah. there was, I used to beat myself up. When I was in AA, I beat myself up about, like, you didn't go, and why didn't you? And when I left, I was like, you didn't go because you were a fucking stepper. Yes. That's why you didn't well, go, Monica. I, let, let, me, let me add on to that because um, I had – very similar experience, just replace, you know, New York and music with LA and acting and um, mm-hmm. very, very similar experiences, you know, because I was, you know, first couple of years I was Mr. AA, you know, and I was, and, and I wouldn't do anything really to, um, to, to, to get involved in, in, in that. But I, I also had, you know, like A&R people call me and I didn't call them back. Wow. And, and I was afraid, I was afraid to call them back. And it's, it's, it's two things. And, and you're, and, and you're right about the whole thing. Whereas 
you know, I, oh, I can't go to bar because my identity is alcoholic and I can't go to the bar with you all because I, you know, I'm this person now and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so there's, there's that. But what I found, and, and this is getting really, really deep, but um, when I did that really, really heavy, um, really, really heavy therapy uh, that really helped me to undo things is that I really got into my, into my core beliefs. And, like, beliefs are things that very rarely, really change within someone's lifetime. And they are, they are the lens through which we see the entire world. And what I found, my, my two strongest core beliefs were both shame and unworthiness. And, mm-hmm. and shame is not guilt. You know, guilt, the way I describe it is guilt is remorse for something you did and shame is remorse for what you are. And I oh, lived wow. through this whole life. I lived through this oh, life with shame. You know, well, I was growing, I was born Catholic, so you know. <laughs> you know but but I was too, but I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel the shame. But wow, that's really well said. Okay, and what about the other yeah, things? So shame is it. for who you are. Yeah, and and, and shame is for yeah who and what you are. And the big one that really really hit me is the unworthiness thing. And that and unworthiness is the thing where you, you know, you. And I've always had this big big obsession about you know having a seat at the table and and being able to you know, kind of be a self-made man and things like that. And the unworthiness is the thing that stops me from that. So the reason that I, the reason that I couldn't call back that A&R person when I was in the music business was because what if they said, yes, what if they said, we liked your stuff, then I'd have to deliver on it. You know, you know, that's the reason I didn't call back the girl because what if she said, yes, you know, then I have to, you know, <laughs> you know, live up to that and everything. So the, 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 the unworthiness thing was a really, really big thing for me. And AA really gave me a lot of cover to live within those two things for a long, long time. So kind of heavy, kind of a buzzkill on this call, but I think those are that's some pretty heavy shit that, that I've No, that to, is. That really is. But, you know, that. if you would have been in uh, Hollywood, you know, they love steppers in the music business. I didn't know that until I left. <laughs> and there was a guy <laughs> oh, who I know really, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, big time. And that, that, that has been, like, percolating for decades with like you yeah. know be it be an insider not so much with the acting you know um there's plenty now that have joined but um i mean boy we have a lot of work to do but we have like two and a half minutes left where we could maybe yeah. do a, even another whole hour to talk about the many things i mean i just began to touch on it when i told you what happened to me when i went was in the groundlings and acting and you yeah. too i yeah. mean i oh, had yeah. a lot of different jobs but um what really happened this is before I sort of unra- started unraveling is that, you know, I've always prayed and there were periods I got on my knees and periods I didn't. What happened when I had like 25 years, I was not into celebrating it, um, is that I felt like my God had gotten really, really small. And I started to wonder, like, because even as a Catholic, like you could pray for anything. You could pray for a job, you know, pray for someone to get well. So why would, in AA, like, AA, AA doesn't trump Catholicism. So I started going into meetings and saying, you know, uh, this is kind of bullshit here. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was a Catholic and I'm allowed to pray for shit. If I want to pray that you get a job or I get a job or that this person doesn't die, I don't right. pray for the God's will when so you're on somebody, your child is sick and you want them to get well. You know what I mean? Right. And so there was a little, yeah. there was a, it's a long, long time unraveling. I mean, I did a whole show on my own deprogramming path, and it began a long time ago, long before I saw a fault in AA, right? But um, it's probably time I should wrap it up. It's like an hour, and I'm, not, I'm sorry, a minute left. But I really want to thank yeah. you so much for oh. reaching out, and let's talk off, off the the podcast um, about some things that we probably both went through uh, that we have in common, and any, anybody else. Out there listening, like if you'd like to do a call like this, uh, you can hit me up on Facebook or at makeaasafer at gmail.com. And, uh, wow, thank you so much. Great. So well, much, Stephen. Well, thank, thank, thank you again, Monica, for all you do. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really been enlightening to have a place for, for people like us who had to question this and, and you know, be able to, to know we're not alone with all this stuff. Oh, God, I just did it again. You're not alone. What? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not alone. No, we're, well, we're not. I don't feel alone anymore. You know what I mean? There's like a whole group yeah. of us. I don't feel alone, you know? I say it on the um, – I do say it sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. I, I'm not alone. I don't. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. you have a great, great have a great night, and I'll see you, you too. See you out there. I'll yeah. talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah, let's talk again. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye. All right. We'll talk again. All right, everybody. So this is Monica Richardson. It's Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. We'll see you out there uh, in the world on the Internet. And remember, the 13th step, the film is, is available on Amazon and Vimeo. And I'll see you on Facebook and on Twitter and wherever else we find each other. Take care. Good night.